This podcast is brought to you by Living Waters Church, Kyabram. You can visit us at www.lwkyabram.com. Fantastic. Well, if you get your Bibles, let's turn to Romans chapter 5. I've entitled my message, Leading to Endurance. And you might say, Pastor Trevor, that was your message last week. Correct. This is part two. It's really the same message, just continuing. So it's one of those topics, endurance and perseverance, that we don't necessarily like talking about and like discussing because there's that moment in our life where it's like, well, if I've got to endure, it means I've got to go through some stuff. You know, if, if I'm going to endure, it means that there's going to be some trials that I have to face. And one of the things that I've experienced over the years is if I'm breathing in and out and if blood is pumping around my body, then at some point in my life, some point this week, most likely, I will be tested and there will be a trial comes my way. And my response to those trials and my response to those testings and my response to the way I perceive what's happening around me will determine whether my spirit is healthy. You know, our Western world and, and our humanity, you know, there's so much focus upon the body. You know, where it's like, you know, you've got to look a certain way, you've got to act a certain way, you know, you've got to have a certain like a t- type of haircut. I've got a young person's haircut this week. Um, went to our regional meeting and one of the old pastors came up to me and he goes, oh, you've got the comb over happening. And I went, no, it's not a comb over, it's a young person's haircut. <laughs> I don't say I've got an old person's haircut, it's a young person's haircut. So I went home and checked the bald spot just to make sure it wasn't there. See, our response to that stuff that happens to us determines whether our spirit will be healthy. will determine whether our life is sweet. Because the Bible declares this, that out of your heart flows the issues of life. Out of your heart. See, if your heart in the spirit is not healthy, then your speech won't be healthy. Then your life won't be happy. Your relationships won't be healthy when your heart is not right. And I want to challenge you today again about the fact that if we're to grow in maturity, one of the avenues that is used in our life to grow is this thing called perseverance and endurance. Because when we're tested, we become stronger. Like in the natural, if you want to build your body in the natural, you have to test your strength. And what you do is you test your strength to a point where you push yourself to certain limits so that your body can, after you've been pushed to that limit, your body can rest and recover and be stronger. And so our spirit is quite similar to that, where it's like we grow in faith and we grow in perseverance, we grow in love, we grow in, in our determination to hang on, not just hang on, but to thrive until Jesus comes back or he takes us home by our perseverance. So Romans chapter 5, verse 2, and I wasn't planning on starting here, but I was reading over my notes again this morning, and man, oh man, this verse just did something in my heart again. So I want to share it with you again. It says, because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of the undeserved privilege where we now stand, And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. And I started my message last week about saying how that is a wow, oh wow moment 
when you think about what we just heard. Because of our faith, Christ has positioned us, brought us into a place of undeserved privilege. I hope I'm rattling your insecure little cage today. You know, it's, oh, I'm not insecure. There it is. There it lies. Because see this, see, we are positioned. Oh, come on, we're positioned. It's going to call Anakin, but he's doing a job. Pastor Chloe, come up here. Stand here. What have I just done to Pastor Chloe? I've positioned her. I've told her to move from her comfortable seat, from where she's taking notes, and I've positioned her on a, into a place where she's not totally comfortable because she does not know what's coming next. And so in her heart, she's going, what is Pastor up to this morning? What is he about to do? You can sit down. I'm not going to be mean to you this day. <laughs> See, that's what Christ has done to us. He's taken us from a place and he's positioned us to a place of undeserved privilege. See, we struggle with our own humanity. We struggle with who we are because I, I, I just want to, those feelings in your life where you say, you know what, I don't deserve God's love, 100% true. Let's just get past that feeling in the aspect that I learned that in my life, that feeling is okay. You know why? Because I do not deserve the love and the position that God has placed me in this day. I do not deserve that because I'm human. I don't deserve The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So therefore, those feelings when it comes to me where God showers his love and his grace and his favor upon me, those feelings where it's like, God, I don't deserve this. You know what? They're okay. But I don't let them define my response to his call. I don't let that feeling define my responses to whether I'm going to respond to being one of undeserved privilege. Because I think that if God has given us undeserved privilege, if he's positioned us in a place of under, uh, undeserved privilege, why aren't we using our privilege? Why aren't we standing? Why are those times when the enemy comes and, you know, one of the things that I hate most in church life is when people come to you and say, the enemy gave me a hard time this week. Why? I understand that he brings attacks, but why do we allow him to keep coming? Why don't we stand in the authority we've been given? See, when Jesus Christ ascended back into heaven, he said, all authority has been given to Jesus, therefore go make disciples. He passed that authority onto his believers. And so when we understand that his Holy Spirit has been breathed upon us, and when we understand the authority that we've been given in Christ, man, what a privileged position that is for us to stand in. I love the fact that it says the word stand. It doesn't say shrink back. We're able to stand in that place of undeserved privilege. I pray you're standing. You know those moments when we pray, it's an undeserved privilege to come to the Father. It's an undeserved privilege for us. He has chosen us not because we're good, not because we're talented, not because we're really pretty, or handsome. He has chosen us because he decided to choose. It's the only reason. And because of that, we live in a place of undeserved privilege. So last week, actually I'll go back, I'll just quickly go over the things we looked at last week. We need to persevere in faith, we looked at. And these messages are online if you want to go back and check it out fully, if you, if you missed it. So we, we need to persevere in faith. We need to persevere in prayer. 
And then we started to look at, I just gave it to you just as the entree for this week, is that um, when we suffer, there's actually reward that comes for suffering. You know, even the ultimate suffering that we might face as a believer, there's a reward that's attached to that. Even if we're martyred for our faith, even if someone was coming here today and hold a gun to our head and say, either deny Jesus Christ or you're going to die... You know, if you stay true to your faith and if you're martyred for your faith, there's a reward in heaven that's attached to that. I'm looking forward to talking to as many people in heaven as I can find who has a martyr's crown. I'm actually looking forward to that day. I'm looking forward to that day, walking up to them and say, hey, cool crown, tell me your story. How did you get that crown? How did you earn that crown? How was that crown given to you? And we will hear devastating stories about how that crown was awarded. We will hear horrific stories about, we will hear stories from kids who saw parents shot in front of their eyes and then chose still not to deny Jesus Christ, but they're wearing a crown this day. You know, and so I am so glad that our life is more about what's to come than it is for here. And yet our focus so much on, is on what's here already. So suffering brings a reward. Let's go to verse 3 of Romans chapter 5. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. I read these words and part of me wants to go, no, why do you have to use such language, God? Why do you have to encourage us in such ways where it's like, we can rejoice too, because this is just after verse 2, which we just read. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they will help develop endurance. Everyone say endurance. Here's a dangerous prayer for you to pray. God, teach me endurance. Everyone close their eyes, lift their hands, say this prayer after me. God, teach me endurance. Some people were praying. Good. See, the reward of trials is endurance. Some of the greatest lessons I've learned in life have not been on a mountaintop, have not been in a Toronto-style meeting have not been in a glory time meeting. They are wonderful times. They are beautiful times. And God reveals himself in those times as well. But I want to tell you, the greatest lessons I've learned in life have been in the middle of a dark valley where I'm digging a hole because I know that God says that if I dig a hole, rain will come. You know that verse that talks about those who pass through the valley of Baca? The valley of weeping, back it means weeping. And, you know, basically what that is all about is, you know, they would pass through this physical place called the valley of Baca. And as they're passing through, there would be a point where the leader of the troop or the leader of the family would say, right, everyone, stop, grab a shovel and start digging. And from what I understand about the valley of Baca, it's a place of stone. It's a place of rock. The digging's not easy. And the whole idea of everyone who walked through the valley of Baca, the valley of weeping, where the head of the house would say, right, everyone stop, grab a shovel and start digging, is so when the rains came, that the valley of weeping would become a valley of springs to be able to water the next people that came through that valley. 
I want to tell you, church, every time I've been through a valley of weeping, I have asked God, God, give me something to give this next generation. Give me something to give the next person that walks this path that I'm walking on. God, the next person that experiences grief like I have experienced in life, let me have dug a spring so that they can be encouraged in that valley for the next person that passes through the valley. You know, um, Sam Chan once said at a conference that I was at, he said, never waste a good crisis. Never waste a good crisis because there's lessons we can learn in a crisis that will bring a reward for those who follow behind us. So the reward of perseverance is endurance. You know, I've been through some stuff in life that I know I can go through again. Why? Because I've been there before. If you're like me, when you're driving somewhere, you want to know where you're going. Do you not? Like, I mean, I don't like being lost. In actual fact, I get quite anxious when I get to that point when I'm lost. And you can talk to Parcel Lynette later, and she'll, know, she'll, she'll tell you I don't like being late. It's one of my pet peeves in life is when I'm late to something. And so, you know, there's times when it's like I've got to be somewhere. You know when navigators first came out? You know that, that, that moment where they weren't real good in the country? They were okay in the city? Well, I was in, living in Mildura at the time and I had a meeting in Bendigo that I had to go to and so I put in my navigator, I put the address in. And I'm driving along and as I get to this point, it says, you have arrived at your destination. And I looked around and gone, this ain't right. I know this ain't right because there's nothing here. The smart people at TomTom just go, well, we'll just pick a loop. Good enough's close enough, good old Aussie spirit. And so I'm looking around and I'm going, what am I going to do? Because this was an important meeting. I was, I was meeting with some of the state exec and that night I didn't want to be late. You know, it, it was part of my role as running the district at that stage and I, I didn't want to be late. And so I pulled up at this place nice and early and as soon as that words came out of that stupid little box's mouth, where it says, you have arrived at your destination. I knew it was wrong. I knew it was not right. And so what did I do as a good male? I sat in the corner and cried for a moment. And I rang one of my friends, who was also at the meeting, not one of the exec members, someone a little bit lower, just so they didn't know I was lost. And I said, hey, I'm lost. He goes, yeah, we did that too. Every person who had led the navigator had been to the spot I was at because the navigator had, had it all wrong. And, and, and so, you know, we, we don't like being lost. We, we don't like being in that place where it's like, well, we don't understand what's happening. But I want to tell you, I can take you there today. I don't even need to punch it in the little box anymore. I can just drive. Why do I know where to go now for that place? Because I've been there before. And I want to encourage you that there's some stuff in your life that you have looked at and you've said to yourself, I don't like this, and you're actually pushing against it, saying, I don't don't want to relive that experience. And yet because you've been there, you can actually journey other people through it. So endurance, if you're taking notes, endurance. Romans chapter 5, verse 4, next verse. And endurance develops strength of character. Oh, we all want to be strong of character, do we not? (laughs) Okay, I'm going to say that again and hopefully get a fake response then. We all want better character, do we not? Thank you for faking it. You were taking notes. Yeah, yeah, you were taking notes. Okay, I'll, I'll cut you some slack. If I've offended you this morning, just think of it as a test and you can get bitter or better. See, 
One of the things in my life that I learned early, especially in ministry, is character trumps gifts every time. You can be the most gifted person in the Holy Spirit, but if your character is crook, then you will end up stumbling and falling. And unfortunately, even this week we've seen this in our nation where character, some gifts, but character wasn't as strong as maybe it should have been for whatever reason. For, for, for whatever it is. See, strength of character actually comes through endurance. You can't get away from it. If you want a strong character, you have to persevere because weak people, will, weak character people will choose to blame others, will choose to shift blame, will, will choose to, to, to deflect blame from themselves to someone else. We need to understand that character is important. So, an endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. See how there's a progression that happens. You know, we just want the hope of salvation. We just want the hope of salvation where it's like, you know what? I know I'm saved because I'm saved because I'm saved because I'm saved. We want that more than anything else in our life. That, that hope that, you know what? When I stand before Christ, everything's okay. Well, endurance develops strength of character. Character strengthens our confidence, hope of salvation. So strength of character actually leads to greater rewards. So I want to talk a little bit, and this is not a digression, because it's part of our character. And so if you're taking notes, write this, key of love. Because I believe love's the key. And the person next to you and say, love. Come back and say, thanks, dear. The key of love. I actually think that the number one, or one of the number one character traits in our life that we need to have is this thing called love. Love is not a feeling. You know, love is not an emotion. We think that love's an emotion or love's a feeling. You know, there, there's, certain, oh, there's, there's certain terms we use in life that I just hate, like I fell in love. Whoops. Just fell in love. Now, I get what that's saying, you know, I, I, because I've experienced that. And, and so I, I, I get that, and, and I understand what it's, what it's meant to be and what it's meant to be saying. And it's a part of love, but it's not love. Because then people say, and I've actually heard couples say, well, actually, we just fell out of love. It's like, really? So the key for our life is love. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 7. Anyone warm this morning? Is it hot in here yet? I hope it's hot in here. I hope it's roasting because we've got new air conditionings coming. And I hope that when it's here, everyone's going to go, thank you. And all the whinging about the heat will stop. <laughs> I haven't been whinging about the heat. No, I know, but others have. If you've been whinging about the heat and I've now offended you, just take it as a test and get better. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 7 says, Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures. Everyone say, and endures through every circumstance. See, love will cause you to do reckless things. There's a song that's been floating around for the last couple of years called Reckless Love, and it has copped some flack. It has caught some flack and there has been theological debates about this song and there's been people up in arms about this song and that sort of stuff because it has this line in it that says, the reckless love of God. And people come to me and they say to me, you know, well, I don't understand. See, God's love is not reckless. I want to tell you, God's love is very reckless because it's a love that will go beyond measure. This is how reckless God's love is for you 
for you, even the person that you struggle with yourself some days, he chose to die on a cross. It, he, he, his love was so reckless for us and his love was so great for us that he said this, he said, I'm not going to trust an angel to go and die for sin because he could have done that because he sets the rules. If he set the rules and he said, well, the, the punishment for sin would be death of Gabriel the archangel, then we would probably be sitting here worshipping Gabriel the archangel in some churches. But it's like he said, no, I don't want to trust it with anyone. My love for these people is so great that I need to step in and do it myself. And I want to tell you that love is reckless. Love is reckless. You know, love is reckless in the point where it's like, you know, I will do anything for my wife. If there's a fire breaks out in this place, you are on your own until I get my wife out first. Honestly, because my love is reckless, I would run into a burning building to save you. I would. I would do that. Why? Because I love you. Let's not test that theory. I would do it. I would do it. Why? Because love causes you to do reckless things. See, when we understand that love has to be the foundation of all we do, the foundation of all we do, not just some of what we do, not just what we pick and choose, but love, the character of love, will be tested. And we need to understand that when love is tested, can can I let you in on a secret? Lynette's love for me gets tested. It does. I know it does because we've had those conversations. But I reckon, how long have we been married now? 33 years this week. I reckon I'm more in love now than what I was 33 years ago. No idea what's happening, but anyway, I'll just keep preaching. <laughs> I reckon my love today is greater than when we first met because I didn't really fully understand what I had when we first met. And so out of testing, out of trial, out of endurance, out of those times where it's like, you know what, this is hard work, because sometimes it is, love's hard work, it's grown, it's become greater. has to be the foundation of all we do. Let's go to um, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, before I get too mushy. already making them choke. 1 Corinthians chapter 16 says, Be on guard, stand firm in faith, be courageous, be strong, and do everything in love. Here's a radical proposal for church. Are you ready for this? Do everything in love. That's radical. Let me, let me just say that again. Radical proposal for you today. In actual fact, if you're taking notes, write this in big letters. Do everything with love. See, the encouragement here Paul is giving to the, to the um, Corinthian church, it's like the end of his letter. It's like he's closing off notes. Sincerely yours, the Apostle Paul. And in that, he actually says this. He says to do everything in love. Let's consider evangelism. Why do we do evangelism? Excellent. So if we're not careful, evangelism can be broken down to just a program, something we do because we have to do. And that is true. We are commanded to go in the wall of the world and preach the gospel. We are commanded to do that, yet if we're not careful, our evangelistic endeavors into people's lives is more out of a concern for ourselves than it is for a concern for the other person. Now, we understand what's at stake. 
Honestly, we understand the fact that heaven and hell are real. And that is why, that is why we are often driven to evangelism. And if we're not careful, the evangelism that we do can be like the church being hidden in a corner and then all of a sudden doing the charge into the world. You need Jesus Christ. You know what? I reckon our evangelism needs to start with love. Because if it doesn't start with love, our words are like a clanging cymbal. Our words are like a grating sound. And I've spoken to people. I've spoken to people in power in our state. I've spoken to politicians on a number of different occasions. And they've told me some of the letters that Christians have written them. Some of the even death threats that have come written from Christians' hands. And I want to tell you, we're doing it wrong, church, in those things. And so whatever, whenever I get to sit down with an important person of power, you know, I met with um, Sam Berick, Beryl, that's him, who's running for the National Party here. I met with him the other day just to have a conversation with him about where he stood with faith and where he stood with church and where he stood with different things and that sort of stuff. But I didn't go there with my Bible. I actually asked him about his journey and we had a great conversation about life and, and that sort of stuff because, you know what, I am more interested in the person before the salvation because if I'm not interested in the... Listen to me, church, because this is important. If we're not interested in the person before the salvation, we're missing the object of why we're evangelising. So we understand what's at stake... We understand the fact that heaven and hell is real, but if we're not careful, our efforts to persuade people to be born again will actually become a stench in their nostrils. So I'm going to call it this. Let's start a revolution of love. We just love people. You might say, well, what does that mean? I don't know, because it's different in every circumstance. See, I actually think that allowing someone to go to hell is not love. And so I, I actually think that there is times when the Holy Spirit leads, and that's the important thing, where people need to be spoken to really sternly and really strongly. But make sure our other actions are lining up with those things as well. So let's start a revolution of love. All right, endurance brings maturity. Point number whatever we're up to, because I didn't number them. So if we want to be mature, we have to endure. James chapter 1, verse 4 I'll read it while you're writing. It says this, James 1 verse 4. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. I read those words and I think that is a place I want to live. That is a place I want to live. I want to live where my life is perfect. You might say, well, that's a pipe dream, Pastor Trevor. It may be, but that is the goal that my character be okay. You know, in my Bible readings, I was reading the book of Daniel. And in the book of Daniel, it actually said that the satraps and, and that came to bring charge against Daniel. And they went through everything. They went through all his workings, all his stuff with the government. He went, he, they went through all his books. They went through all his character. And they, they couldn't find anything. Even those who were looking for the littlest problem couldn't find anything. Why? Because his character was good. 
His character was developed. He had matured in his God. How did he mature in his God? I want to tell you how he was matured in his God. He was taken from a place of freedom, brought into a place of captivity. He was made a eunuch and he was serving someone he didn't want to serve. We don't think about that when we think about the book of Daniel. So we get this guy who was stolen from his people. He was taken into another culture. He was brought up in a different way. He was made into a eunuch. And then what happened was he still chose to serve in a way that was going to honor God. So I reckon he went through some stuff. And in going through some stuff, there was a maturity that was birthed in his life and developed in his life where his character matured. Your character will never mature without a test. In actual fact, this is the choice we have. Trials, trials will force us to go one way or the other. It will make our character better or it will make our character worse. So how do we make our character better? We do that by remaining in his presence and remaining sweet with him like Pastor Bruce was preaching last night. Found in his presence is the place to be because that allows... We started here, and I wasn't planning on talking about Peter getting out of a boat, but the safest place for Peter to be was wherever Jesus was. Whether Jesus was in the boat or whether he was out of the boat, it didn't matter. As long as he was in the presence of Jesus, he was in a safe place. Let's all stand up this morning. I have got more to say, but my friends up the back will be going, you preach too long. Oh, you told me I do. (laughs) (laughs) That's all. I'm just stirring. If you're offended, think of it as a trial and get better. (laughs) That's all right. Tongue in cheek. Thank you for listening to today's podcast from Living Waters Church, Kyabram. Don't forget, you can find us at www.lwkyabram.com.